of World. It's Fast First Point Guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got a fun show for you today. The Blazers' winning streak came to an end Saturday night at home against a not very good Wizards team in a... It was a clunker. Blazers put up a real clunker to end the winning streak. And now they face some familiar questions. I want to ask and then try to answer those questions, which frankly have been following this team during the winning streak. It's just Damian Lode kept winning the game in the final seconds and kind of masked some of the obvious issues, or at least made them not the thing to talk about. You had to sort of talk about late game brilliance and not like, why did they blow this big lead? It's all part of it. And I think when you typically when you lose games, these questions come up. So that's what I want to do in the first couple segments. I want to talk about the Blazers defense, where it's at. I want to talk about the Blazers offense and sort of if they've solved anything to push the needle forward in terms of their ultimate goal. I think the Wizards game helps illustrate that to some extent, but we'll we'll zoom out as much as possible to kind of get to get at the questions that are now laid in front of this team. And then I want to close the show talking about snubbed Damian Lillard. He did not make the—he was not named an all-star starter. He's going to still make the all-star team. Let's not worry about it. We probably—I mean, Blazer fans will remember this, but uh, the sort of the larger NBA narrative will not remember this. He'll just get a little star next to his name on basketball reference, and it'll say six-time NBA all-star. But instead of debating the merits of fan vote, that's not what I'm after, I want to answer the question, is snubbed Dame a thing? There's an idea that Damon Lord is going to play with this massive chip on his shoulder and get better, and my question is, is that real? Do we have any evidence that he's ever done that before? Uh, I know that um, the narrative is out there, and I sort of buy into the narrative, but I wanted to look closer at the numbers and find out if that's true. So that's what we'll do in the third segment to close out the show, is, is uh, dig deeper into the lore of snubbed Dame. But what I want to do here is I want to talk about where this team is at in after their six-game winning streak came to an end with an with a real dud against the Wizards. Blazers played a home game against the Wizards on Saturday night. They were coming off a little three-game road trip in which they had won all the games, but basically all of them had come down to the final seconds, and then they come back at home against the Wizards, and they lose 118-111. This brought everybody out um, who's had their doubts, and it kind of... Um, it laid bare the Blazers' faults, right? So that's what I want to do in, in these first two segments is talk about those faults. First of all, let's start with the defense. We'll talk about the offense and, and how the Wizards trapped Dame and all those things in segment number two. But let's start here to open the show with talking about their defense. The Blazers tried a couple different things. Like, they haven't been a good defensive team. They played some bad uh, offenses during this during the six-game win streak, and, and they looked a little bit better because um, the other teams shoot bricks because they, they didn't have a bunch of good players. But the nothing had really changed. They were still 28th in defense, according to the way the NBA.com measures it, coming into the game against the Wizards. Uh, that had They had improved all the way from 28th in defense when the uh, winning streak kicked off. They had made they had made up no ground. I mean, I think some of it is you just you can't all put it into the defensive rating numbers, but it's that at some point the numbers don't lie. Like, uh, y'all know the score of the game. This isn't a particularly good <laughs> defensive team. And... Uh, they, while they had won some games, they hadn't really improved on defense. But I think the Wizards game kind of showed um, the Blazers' obvious issues, right? They tried to go small. And this is a thing that I have have said is I like. I think they should try to do more of it. Uh, this It's maybe not the path forward to winning a championship or whatever, but having more versatile defenders who can switch and play and guard multiple spots on the court is is just more valuable for for most NBA teams and the Blazers uh, would be included in in that group and in, from in my eyes so they tried to do that against the Wizards they were getting carved up and more on that in a second with their sort of traditional center lineup so they went small and what happened is they got absolutely bullied 
They got just bullied. Robin Lopez bullied them. He had 10 and 11 off the bench. I don't even think Rolo played that well, but he had six offensive rebounds and he was a force and the Blazers did not have an answer for him. Robin Lopez wasn't the reason that they lost, but he was certainly a reason that it was harder for them to win. He bullied that small group. Mello and, and Covington couldn't guard him. That's an issue. If the Blazers go small and get beat up on the glass, then it takes away their sort of advantage to switch and keep guys in front and to and to have that group show its defensive strengths. You know, Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington blocked some shots, had some highlight plays in this game, but they aren't going to be seven feet tall. They're not going to just... The, the strength and size of Lopez was a problem. So what do you do when you're facing a traditional center with strength and size that's beating you up? Well, you go back to your traditional center and you put Ennis Cantor in the game. And the Blazers did that and Brad Beal and uh, Russell Westbrook ate him up in drop coverage. Now you could scream at the top of your lungs, why is he in drop coverage? And drop, for those of you who are maybe not familiar with the terminology, is when it's a pick and roll uh, or a screen action, I should say, uh, Ennis Kander just fades back into the paint a little bit. He plays, plays, plays center field. He's sagging off the pick and, and kind of giving guys space so they don't they don't get downhill and run past him. And you might be screaming, why is he in drop? Well, he's slow. And bringing him up to the level of the screen and asking him to chase isn't going to make him faster. Instead of giving up mid-range jumpers to Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook, you're probably going to give up layups. And for my money, I think you'd rather make Russell Westbrook make mid-range jumpers. He played really well. He had one of his best offensive games of the year against the Blazers. That's an indictment of their defense. I'm not giving, I'm not saying that, uh, that's you know just bad luck or whatever but to some to some extent the their personnel issues were laid bare against the wizards right they this is a team that blew a 24 point lead against oklahoma city this was a team that could not stop zion williamson to save their lives and well how they won that game was a little bit of damian lord magic and the pelicans not giving the ball to zion williamson in the final seconds cool so i tend to think and why i want to talk about this now is like i tend to think results cover change the way our analysis goes and on this show i try not to get caught up too much in results and stick on process but i am also in some ways guilty of just getting caught up in the narrative a little bit when damian lord was hitting a game winner on in every single game i was going to talk about it more than i was going to say like hammer the blazers for playing bad defense against the thunder it's just in a loss it comes to bear and then and then everyone's the i told you so's come out in uh full force and they're not they're not wrong uh it's just uh the we're very where it's a results oriented um process it's a results-oriented viewing experience and so i think uh after a loss it, it you just you end up landing on it more squarely but the blazers weren't a particularly good defensive team all week is what i've been trying to say or the last two weeks during this winning streak winning streak is just they they really got exposed in this game because i i think there's some tactical stuff like i think they could have just tried to straight up hard double team Brad Beal and say let anyone else beat us. Rui Hachimura had a good game. He might well he might have done that on his own. Uh, Davis Bertans bricked a whole bunch of three pointers until he made important ones in the fourth quarter. And double teaming Beal could have opened up shots for those guys. Um, I don't think he double teamed Russell Westbrook. He's just he's just a bad offensive player. Um, you hope he misses. He didn't miss in that game. Uh, certainly you you wish that uh, point of attack defense could a little bit better. I thought he he got into the paint a little bit too easy. Uh, but the scheme adjustments should have been against Beal, but I don't think, I mean, he's leading score in the league, so he, he might still have, um, he might still have busted Cantor, even if Cantor chased him up higher on the screens. All of this is to say is that the Blazers just need help up front. What is the front office doing? Um, wh why did the Blazers have an open two-way contract? Why do they have an empty roster spot? And then they roll out with this, 
with no big man depth? Like, why do they only have one healthy center on the roster when they have avenues to fix this? What is going on? I think you can be critical of stats. You can be critical of the players, but players play. I've been, I'm consistent on this. Like it's a player's league. I think players are like 60% of the impact, 55, at least 55% of the impact. Coaching is certainly less than that. Um, and if you, if Cantor is your only big option and when you go small, you're getting beat up at some point, it's just, it's a personnel truth. Um, and we saw this play out earlier in the week and then it really, really came up against the Wizards. Uh, the Blazers are not a good defensive team, so their path forward is to be a good offensive team. They could use some help up front. We'll talk about that later in the week. Um, spoiler alert, DeMarcus Cousins is not the solution, but he is a tall person. Absolutely. But my takeaway here from the Wizards game is that the defense was still bad, but I and I, I think it was the reason that they lost because their defense is still bad is the thing that's going to hold them back all year. But I think this had as much to do with just sort of the this group the Wizards beat them as as much as this sort of was like some sort of major tactical failure. I don't I didn't see it as that. Um, it just seems to me that Ennis Cantor is always going to be slow and Robert Covington is always not going to be seven feet tall. And if those are your two options in the middle and that's where you're getting killed on on the glass and then on guarding pick and rolls, it it's going to it's just there's not a lot of there's only so many solutions. You could have done something slightly different to lose in another way. But to me, this was just a, a game where their personnel and their defense got exposed. And in the past games where maybe this also happened, Damian Lillard pulled the rabbit out of the hat and did some magic. They didn't have a chance to have that magic because the offense struggled a little bit. 12 points in the second quarter, a really brutal, dameless stretch to begin that quarter, and then a, a, a scoreless first two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, and Terry put Dame back in early with nine and a half minutes left, and the Blazers only scored scored 19 in the fourth. They, um, they just couldn't, they could not generate offense down the stretch. So that's what I want to talk about in the second segment is what what's going what did I see that went wrong with the offense and is this part of a of a larger trend. But before we do that, let's talk about betonline.ag. Y'all know betonline.ag, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's NBA games on the slate every night, got college basketball happening weekly and heading into the NCAA tournament, the conference tournaments and then NCAA tournament, NHL's regular season is is rolling along. Got a bunch of options there, but if you don't want to bet on sports, you can bet on award shows, TV shows, reality TV. BetOnline.ag's got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline also has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So go to BetOnline.ag. You can do that on your computer or your mobile device. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up today and make a deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Hey, look, you can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. So start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, we talked about the Blazers defense. It's they're just not good. I, I mean, you I am personally and I, I should have clarified this in the last segment. I want to it's still it's in my notes. So I want to hit it here before we transition to offense in the second segment. But you can you can maybe believe and I think you might be right that the Blazers 
just should trap more on on defense. But I see this team as bad at communicating and scrambling. And if you if you if they trap the ball, you are playing with a disadvantage behind you, and you gotta you gotta scramble and help. And I don't think I just don't think the Blazers have the size and the sort of like overall IQ defenders and and fleet of foot defenders if you're going to play Cantor and mellow some major minutes to to pull that scheme off um it, it's definitely worth a try like I think the biggest indictment of the Blazers defense is that they should just do they should do more different stuff um but the zone didn't work dropping didn't work going small didn't work they just had a bad game against the Wizards and I don't think I don't see it as sort of like this major indictment of the franchise but I do see it as a sort of a a quick exposure of we've kind of seen all of their struggles recently and this was no different. It's just, they, they ended up losing this game. So maybe it feels harder. And if you feel it, you feel it more cleanly, but that's enough about the defense. Let's talk about the offense. Jonathan Charks, writer at the ringer wrote a, a really interesting story this week about uh, how Dame time has a ceiling. And the idea was basically that when you get into high leverage games, when you get into uh, the playoffs and you face defenses that are scheming for you, Damian Lord has been taken out by the same exact defensive uh the defensive strategies year after year. And it's basically this. You know it, you've seen it. If you watch the team, you know that you know the score of the game. Damian Lord wants to operate in pick and rolls, so you trap him off pick and rolls, and the Blazers cannot make plays behind him when they have a four on three they just can't do it we've seen it we've seen it a whole bunch of times and I actually think Charks is totally right like I think this has been the Blazers kryptonite and I think it's the obvious problem and something that they still don't have a solution for but I kind of think it is maybe too I find it a little bit boring and definitive to say this is the problem they'll never solve it uh that might end up being right like this and this Quite frankly, this Charks is very likely to be right. Um, the writer of the Ringer, Jonathan Charks, check him out. Um, he's very likely to be right. The Blazers' season is very, very likely to end in the playoffs, where a aggressive trapping scheme takes Damian Lillard out of his offense, and the Blazers can't make anyone pay behind him. And I just like sitting here right now, February twenty first. Uh, you know, not yet at the halfway point of the season. I just, I think it's just too definitive and, and frankly, for me, just too boring to say, yep, this is how this ends. See ya. Uh, you know, I host a podcast that comes out multiple times a week about the Trailblazers. If I felt this definitive way, it would be hard to, it would be hard to keep coming out with this stuff. And I, like I said, I do feel this is correct, but I think it's more interesting. And what I want to talk about here a little bit is how the Blazers are trying to build in these counters and sort of how they ended up here. One, and I want to just say this and not belabor it because I've talked about it in the past. The trapping thing, like not being able to solve traps is both an indictment of Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard, and Terry Stotts and his coaching staff. It is both. It is not one or the other. It is both. Dame is just not comfortable playing off the ball. The Blazers have, the Blazers saw this problem in 2015 and tried to bring in Evan Turner to be the guy to play off the ball, and Dame hated it and was not comfortable with it. Evan Turner wasn't very good, but that was the solution, and they, the bla- the front office saw it. They tried to implement it. It didn't really work. Um, you know, eventually they made the Western Conference Finals with uh, Evan Turner playing some significant minutes late in that Denver series. So maybe it did work, but it didn't ever work sustainably. But the Blazers saw the issue, didn't work. Dame wasn't comfortable. Terry wasn't good at at cracking the code or getting Dame to be comfortable. Both of them deserve um, some criticism there. Then they went and got Mario Hazonia, the worst version, the Croatian version of Evan Turner, except without um, any level of production in the NBA. That just wasn't a, a viable solution. 
I think we can all agree a playmaking forward, a guy who can set a screen and then make plays off the screen would be the solution. It's Draymond Green, right? Everyone wants to point to Steph Curry. Charks did it in his piece. And I think everyone wants to say like, here's how Steph does it. He plays off the ball. Dame's never going to be that. I think it's weird that we obsess over it because he's he's, he's just not going to be that. Um, it's it's a solution for Dame. If it's a solution for Steph Curry, who's the most dangerous off-ball threat in the history of the league, maybe. And one of the sort of magic pieces of Steph is that he's played a lot of his prime with Draymond Green, who's one of the great complementary parts in the history of the league. A Hall of Famer for a guy who is... He will be, Damon Green will make the Hall of Fame without ever being the best player on his team and mostly being the fourth best player on his team, right? Maybe third for a, for a long stretch, but it's, he's just a perfect compliment. And so the idea that's like the Blazers need to find Draymond Green, no shit. They, they they do need to find a Hall of Fame level level defender who's also an elite playmaker on offense and has no interest in his own stats, but is like obsessed with team basketball. That would hell yeah, they need to find that. I don't think it's that easy. So I kind of I just kind of dismiss the Draymond Green stuff. I think I think it's true. I also think plenty of a lot of teams could benefit from having Hall of Fame players on the roster. That seems a little too reductive to me. If there were more Draymond Greens, there would be less Draymond Greens. You know what I'm saying? If there were more people who could do what he did, he wouldn't be singular. He's a singular force. It's just, there's too much, too much Draymond, Draymond Green talk, okay? Uh, regardless, though, the Blazers are trying to develop some counters to the traps. These might not work. They're likely to fail, both because Terry might not lean into it as much and Dame isn't comfortable with it. Again, an indictment of both the leader and the player. The offense is, they are, these two things are connected. The the offense was built with Dame in mind and Dame as the architect. So I think these things might fail, but here are the, here are the counters they're trying to develop. One, C.J. McCollum as a playmaker. We saw it briefly last season, and Terry Stotts said we need to coax more out of it from C.J. McCollum. And when he was playing this year, at, at the level he was playing at, he was a much better playmaker, which means you could initiate stuff with him and know that it's not going to just be a shot. In the past, you initiate stuff with C.J., he's going to shoot, he might score, he shoots like 52% from the mid-range. <laughs> you know, he's... But he's going to do what he does. He's going to go get his own offense. He has he had shown an ability to be more of a playmaker, to, to make high, higher level reads as a playmaker. That's one counter they're trying to develop. Who knows if it'll work, but that that's step one, right? Have your second best player be able to do what your best player does. Step two is the obvious thing we've seen from Dame is letting the other guy initiate. He has given the ball to Anthony Simons and said, hey, get us into some offense. Now, Ant had a trash game against the Wizards and the Blazers were a little bit exposed because of it. But that's kind of, that's results over process. Like, yeah, he was bad and yeah, he might not be ready for this role, but the process is that they want him to be a little bit closer to that role so Dame can play off the ball. He did it against New Orleans a couple times. I highlighted it in the last podcast I did, but he, there are moments where Dame looks a little better off the ball this year than he has in the past. He's not Steph Curry. He never will be. They don't have a Draymond Green. That's hard to find. But those are the two counters. And I was a little whiny about this on Twitter, um, being critical of the Sharks piece. But I I have since sort of reread it and reconsidered it. And I think um, I think what what I was a little whiny about was that it felt a little too sort of hand picking. And I I. Like, here are some clips from the game against the Pelicans that show why Dame is has a ceiling. 
I still think Dame has a ceiling. I think the conclusion is right. I just think the path there was a little bit wonky. And here's why. Against the Pelicans, there are two plays that really stick out to me. One, Damian Lord, and I talked about this in the previous podcast, role replacing on a high pick and roll between Ant and Cantor. Ant runs a pick and roll, Cantor dives, Dame fall, falls in or slides in behind where Cantor had just rolled out of, occupies the vacated space, occupies the roll space. Uh, that's... He didn't defense scrambled him, went back to Ant, they got a shot off, right? This is this is this is sort of the basic development for Dame. Also, the final possession of the game to beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Blazers went small. They brought a high pick and roll up for Dame. He rejected the screen, went away from the screen and tried to just beat his man straight up. This is the solution to beating traps is don't set the screen or don't use the screen, right? Just beat your man one-on-one. Easier said than done, obviously. We'll talk about it in a moment. But when he went left, when he rejected the screen and went left, the person in the strong side corner was Gary Trent Jr. You can't help off Gary Trent Jr. He's a knockdown he's a knockdown shooter. So Dame just has more space and more room to operate. Here are all the, here are so here are all your counters to the traps. Adding better shooting around Dame. They seem to have done that. Adding better playmaking around Dame. I'm not sure they've done that, but the idea is that Nurk can do it a little bit. Robert Covington is a better passer than the forwards they've had in the past. And CJ McCollum and Anthony Simons are developing as playmakers. CJ obviously worlds ahead of Ant. Those are the solutions. I think the answer might end up being the same. The traps will submarine this team and all these things. But they, like, I I think this is how this ends. I, I think they play a mobile big in the playoffs. Dame gets trapped and they lose. Like, I, if you want me to look ahead in the crystal ball, I'm a pessimist. You know how I am, y'all. But the idea that it's just that they aren't trying anything new is is a little bit foolish. And some of the reasons that they don't lean into fully trying those things new are both because the coaching staff doesn't demand it and Damian Lord isn't comfortable with it. It is twofold. Those are the undeniable truths for me about the Blazers' offensive adjustments and what they're going to do against the Wizards. We saw what they tried to do. They put, they put size on Dame with Rui Hachimura. They doubled him and the Blazers made 37% of their twos on the backside of those traps. Dame had a perfectly good game, but the team could not take advantage of of that trapping defense. Damon Lord was he didn't he didn't play particularly well, right? Like he was 10 for 30, but he still had he still had a really good game. He was plus 4 on the night. The Blazers were outscored by by 11 in the minutes that he didn't play and his teammates, Gary Trent Jr., 6 of 16. He really struggled inside the arc and and took some tough threes at the end of the game. Carmelo Anthony, 2 for 10. Anthony Simons, 2 for 10. They just can't survive with that level of production. Uh, like, like, I get it, right? Uh, it's it's frustrating. You see, here's the, here is the way you defend the Blazers and they can never get it done. But And I think some of that is certainly true, but they're trying different things. And also... At some point, guys guys have to make shots. It's the it's the flavor of the league. Uh, the Blazers just they just couldn't hit any twos. Uh, they they shot terribly inside the arc. Uh, they they ended up just shooting a lot of threes late in this game. But I to me that wasn't the problem. My, the problem was finishing around the rim. Was was cashing on easy buckets. Uh, bad mellow games have tended to all go the same way for the Blazers. This was a bad mellow game. When he's bad, they're bad. Um, it's maybe a little bit more pressure on him than he needs. Uh, but in general, I think the I think the Wizards game shows showed the Blazers issues and 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 is more magnified because of the results of the game, but 
I think there's a process they're trying to develop with um, with how to answer the traps. I'm not sure it'll work. I don't even think it'll work. But but they're obviously doing some stuff. And the other the sort of things like the other solutions that people have solved go run against what Damien Lillard is comfortable with. And you can yell as much as you want, but this team is tied to what he's comfortable with. You can't he can't be the best player in franchise history and um, and the hero they need and also not get some say in how they do things like his flaws are going to be the team's flaws and that is just true and which is why i thought the article from jonathan Sharks of the ringer which you can check out it's titled there's no show like game time but it does have a ceiling i thought it made great points that showed up in the game against the wizards and have showed up earlier in this stretch but uh the idea that the blazers are to me it's clear that the blazers are, are trying to develop it a little bit more but so i i'm just it's i don't think it's definitive this will be their doom although i do think it might end up being their doom. All right, in the third segment, let's talk about Damian Lillard getting snubbed, quote unquote. He's not going to be an all-star starter. Should we expect him to go absolutely nuts from here on out like he did in the third quarter against the Wizards on Saturday night? That's what we'll talk about in the third segment. But before we do that, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Y'all know Bilt Bar. This is the best tasting protein bar that there is. Bilt Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors. All of them covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew, got that candy bar-like texture, not dry and chalky like other protein bars you may have dabbled in in the past. Nah, these are delicious, like carrot cake or mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie, a personal favorite of mine. All of them delicious and nutritious. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Good and good for you. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? Go get yourself some of these bars. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Can I recommend a show for y'all? What about Mondays on the Locked On NBA podcast? Got Josh Lloyd is the host of the wildly popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball show, and he takes you around the NBA to the NBA's major headlines with the help of local experts from the network. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so on Thursday evening, the NBA's all-star starters were announced, and Luka Doncic was named a starter over Damian Lillard, and there was predictable outrage from, you know, Blazers employees and Blazers fans. I think it's okay to be upset that Dame isn't a starter. I don't think you're going to remember in a couple years. Actually, you will. You will. I take it back. Like I said, it's on the show. You will hold this deeply in your heart. <laughs> the rest of the world will not remember, and that, that's that's kind of my thing. It's like it just it just doesn't matter. Like I being upset is cool. Luka Doncic even admitted that Dame probably deserved it over him, but it's it's an exhibition game for fans. If the fan vote decides it, to me, it's fine. Um, it's one of those things that will be held over Damian Lillard's legacy by like pedantic nerds. Like, well, he only started one All Star game in his whole career. He's an eight time All Star, but he only started one game, or he didn't ever start a game. Was he ever even that good? Like the it's. The pedants will come for Dame with this type of information, but um, in general, no one will remember. It's just, it'll just say 10-time All-Star at the end, at the end of his career, 12-time All-Star, whatever it is. So I'm not really here to litigate sort of the fairness of that. To me, I don't care, but if you care, I'm okay with that. I just, um, I just, I don't, I guess, I, I'm not, I'm not worked up enough about it to give you 10 minutes on it. So I'm just going to let it go. If you're, if you're into it, if you're mad about it, be mad. If you don't care, 
I don't care either, so we're cool. But what I want to talk about is the idea that Damon Lord was left off the All-Star starter team, so he is, has been snubbed, capital S, and he's going to just light the league on fire. I think there's that was the sort of other this idea in, in the sort of Blazer fandom world is that Dame is just going to absolutely burn this whole thing down because he's been when, you know, you give him a chip on his shoulder and he's been fantastic. So I, I wanted to, um, I kind of wanted to ask myself or wanted to understand, like, is this real? <laughs> Has this happened in the past? Is there any evidence that Dame, Dame Lord actually does this? And so I, I did this in a sort of unscientific way, but I, as I want to do, I still looked into the data. Damon Lillard made the All-Star team in 2013 or in 2014 and 2015. And then he missed the All-Star team back-to-back seasons, 2016 All-Star game and the 2017 All-Star game. And particularly after the 2017, uh, not making it the second time, he was pissed. Like this was an angry, he was angry. I was on the beat by then. I remember um, going to the Blazers held like a press conference, like specifically for Dame to complain about this. And I had to go to the arena. It was like a season ticket holder night and go to the arena. So Dame could sort of say his piece about not making it. And now here's, you know, he's going to focus on this, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's, he's, he's beyond, he's mad and he's going to channel it into pushing his team forward. So he, he, Dame likes this narrative for sure, but I don't think he felt the same way this time. I don't think he's, he kind of said he was unmoved by the vote and I, and I, I tend to trust him. So what I wanted to look at though, is in those two years that he didn't make the all-star team after he'd been an all-star in, in, in 16 and 17, did he go nuts? And I, I did this in a relatively unscientific way. I just looked at his pre-All-Star numbers and his post-All-Star numbers to see if after the All-Star game, if he got better. And y'all, I expected to see nothing and say, listen, it's all fake. But after diving into these numbers in a relatively unscientific way, I'm not sort of like looking for a deep statistical correlation, but just raw numbers and are they better? Yeah, yes, yes. Snubbed Dame might really be a thing. To wit, in 2016, prior to the All-Star break, Damon Lillard averaged 24.4 points, 4.4 rebounds, and 7.3 assists. Shot 41% from the floor. Well, I'll round up. 42% from the floor, 36% from three, and 89% from the free throw line. After the All-Star break, scoring average jumped by two points. 26.3 points per game, three and a half rebounds, and six assists. So, worse rebounding numbers, worse passing numbers, but he started to score more. And he also shot better from the floor, 42%. From the field, 40% from three, it's 39.6, I'm rounding up there, and 93% from the free throw line. There was an uptick in his usage from 31.2 to 32. A little bit of an uptick, but he just said, I'm sorry, winning time, I'm gonna I'm going to use more of the possessions. Possessions, usages, shots, turnovers, fouls. So possessions you use. Uptick in his usage from 31.2 to 32%, and an uptick in his true shooting percentage from 54.7% to 58.1%. He used more possessions, and he was more efficient after the All-Star break. Snub a day may be a thing, but, you know, one year, whatever, small sample size, there's less games after the All-Star break than before, so I looked at the next season. Is it real? And y'all, <laughs> maybe. Pre-All-Star break in 2017, 25.7 points, 4.9 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 43% from the floor, 36 34.6% from three, 90% from the free throw line. After the All-Star break, an uptick in four points per game, 29.7, as opposed to 25.7 prior to the break. 
Same number of assists, 4.9, and slightly more rebounds, 6.0 versus 5.8. Shot better across the board. Well, not at the free throw line, y'all, but the, the other ones, 46.7 from, from the field. That includes 41.3% from the three-point line. Uptick in his usage, more dramatic in this one from 30.7 to 33.7, and an uptick in his true shooting percentage as well from 57.1% to 61.4%. Use more possessions, was more efficient after the All-Star break. So I said, is he always like this? Is just is this what Dame does? I didn't want to look at last year because of the nature of how the bubble worked and everything. He went nuts. Um, so after the all but that was like months, four months after the All-Star break. I don't think it's as clean a comparison. So I went back and looked at 2017-18 and 2018-19. Those are years he made the All-Star game. Um and snubbed Dame again. Maybe, maybe this is a thing. His his numbers did not take a massive leap in the 2017-18 season after he didn't make the All Star game. Pre All Star game, 26, four and six and a half. Post All Star game, 28.6, and a half. He's scoring more points, about two and a half more a game. And he's, his, again, a slight uptick in usage, but a slight uptick in true shooting percentage. He, he This was just him being more aggressive. I don't think this was... Um, so maybe he always just sort of turns it up a little bit in terms of like, hey, we need to make the playoffs. I'm going to get us a push. Th- to me, that checks out. But it isn't this massive leap like we'd seen in the sort of snubbed years. So again, maybe this is a, maybe this is a thing. The following season, this 2018-19. So prior to the All-Star break in 20, uh, in 2018-19, he was averaging 26, 4.5, and 6.4. And after the All-Star break, slight slight downtick in scoring. 24.7, 5 rebounds, 8.1 assists. Started passing the ball way, you know, way more assists after the All-Star break. This this year in 2018-19, he saw a he started using fewer possessions and his and his true shooting percentage went down. So he's using less possessions and less efficient. To me, in my unscientific way, I believe in snub dame. I believe it's a real thing. It seems like in the years that he has not made the all-star team, he has upped his usage and his efficiency after the break. And in years that he has made the all-star team made the all-star game. His efficiency has stayed relatively similar and his usage has either gone up slightly or dropped. Now, again, this is unscientific. This is just, I'm, I'm in many ways cherry picking stats from a small sample size over four years, but it's just, you know, what is, what are 25 games after the All-Star break? Do, are they as meaningful as the 55 you already played beforehand? But I was expecting it to be zero correlation to not see the sort of raw numbers jump and to tell y'all that it's all fake and created by our perception of what Damian Lillard is. And I, y'all, basketball reference, the good folks of basketball reference have convinced me that snub Dame is a thing. Now, we're not at the post-All-Star yet. Um, and he didn't start well against, uh, he had a bad first half against the the Wizards and he didn't have a very good fourth quarter, but... He went nuclear in the third at 23 in the third. It was just really, really, really good to keep the Blazers in it. He took them from trailing at the break to up three uh, with a buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. Now, I don't think this is a snubbed Dame thing. Like, I don't want to say the thing why, why I didn't think it was a real narrative is because Dame just wants to make the playoffs and be good. He's not necessarily worried about the haters, capital H, but uh, he's... 
And every time he plays well, isn't sort of like, oh, this is the chip on his shoulder thing. Like there's other, there's other external motivators, but looking at these numbers, I think it's undeniable. There is something, there is something to the idea that when he is doubted, Dame turns it up. There is something to that narrative. The sort of, I thought the numbers weren't going to back up the narrative, but the numbers seem to tie in fairly cleanly with it. So I'm a believer, snubbed Dame and that chip on his shoulder, look out. Here's the problem with saying look out right now, though, is the Blazers are headed for a tough week at Phoenix, at Denver, back-to-back. At Denver, second night of a back-to-back is a tough game. You're at elevation. Um, I don't know if this like matters that much, but you you when you fly from Phoenix to Denver, the Denver airport is far from downtown. You're trekking into the city, getting in late, and all those things. Uh, it's but I, I think the just two games in 48 hours and the and elevation is really hard. Also, those teams are both good. Phoenix and Denver are both good. They end the week at the at LA on Friday at the at the Lakers on Friday. Lakers are stumbling a little bit, but they're a good team. And if Dennis Schroeder is back and and Montrez Harrell is back, they're that's a that's a formidable squad even without Anthony Davis. So while I'm saying snub Dame is a thing, <laughs> if uh, if he doesn't have a great week, it's because uh, it's a talent league and he's playing against talented teams. I think this would be a really good test for the Blazers. The way the All Star, the way excuse me, I'm in All Star mode. The way the winning streak ended is was always going to feel bad. That is the nature of the of a long winning streak come to coming to an end. Because when you're as both a fan and a, and someone who covers the team, when they win, it's like. Maybe they'll just stop. Maybe they're always going to win. And when they lose, it's like, how could they ever win a game? I try to avoid that, but it's still like it seeps into my thinking. And I, so the, the Wizards game was a, was a dud, a clunker. They played poorly. Um, just, it just was a bad game. So I think it magnifies the problems, which is why I want to start the show the way I did. But if there's hope for you, is that Damon Lord has a history of turning it on when he feels slighted and perhaps not starting the all-star game will cause him to turn it on. And what better test than against three Western Conference playoff teams, Phoenix, Denver, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Should be a really fun week. We got more shows coming for you, of course, all week long, including Mailbag Monday, which is our weekly mailbag show I record on Monday nights and post on Tuesday. We've got a new uh, spillover episode of Mailbag Monday called Special Delivery. The mailbag gets a little bit too big, and to make these episodes a little shorter, quick hitters, We've got two mailbags coming, so get your get your questions in for Mailbag Monday, and they may end up in the special delivery version. Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or email the show lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's the two ways to get involved in our mailbag segments. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.